All right. Good morning, everybody. This is Father John with the Hope on the Way podcast. And Father David Hess is once again a guest on the podcast. And this is our third in a series of podcasts where we're talking about in times events of Bible prophecy. And today we have a very compelling presentation for you called the UFO phenomenon and the demonic satanic realm. And Father Dave is located in Southern California. And again, for those who haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet through our podcast, Father Dave, just give a quick intro of who you are and what's going on in your ministry. Yeah, well, we lead a we lead a small church uh, in Orange County that we started a little over a year ago. We're also involved, continue to be involved in ministry to Middle Easterners. Um, my wife and I spent um, about 30 years in the Middle East. And um, yeah, back here in the United States, our adult children, we just had uh, our daughter, um, she, um, Emily, just got married. So, um, yeah, so our kids are married and yeah, just loving, loving life at this time in history. All right. And Father Dave is strategically located in the heart of Southern California, and he uh, has an itinerant ministry as well as a church planning ministry, and he's available as a speaker uh, if you're interested in reaching out to him. And you can reach him through uh what means father dave and just say a little bit about your podcast and blog yeah we have a a, a podcast where we put up our our messages it's joel to the the number two generation uh dot podomatic.com and uh also a podcast on blogspot same name joel to generation and yeah people can reach us via um either of those either of those ways so all right again we're talking about the ufo phenomenon and the demonic satanic realm today and father dave you just got back from a ufo conference the largest one in the world this is not a christian event it was a secular event somewhere near palm springs just briefly give us an overview of what you did and what went on there you know there's a number of christians that i have been listening to for probably the uh, close to a decade if not more and um they really um i saw that they really had a ministry reaching into kind of the paranormal world into into the ufo culture and so that's kind of where i got this idea and i thought wow that's that's awesome that's where a lot of people are really at and um, so I decided to attend the the world's largest UFO conference, and um, it was a fascinating four or five days of just interacting with all sorts of very interesting people from very different, you know, very different understandings of what this phenomenon is, uh, very different spiritualities. Some were quite secular, you know, kind of materialists. Um, what was sad, though, is there was very little, um, if any, Christian presence at this conference. And I believe me, I looked, I talked to a lot of people. And so it seems that the Christian, the Christians that are speaking into this space, and there are a number, published filmmakers, you know, um, guys who have blogs, podcasts, and none of them were welcome um, to be speakers or presenters at this particular event. Anyway, how many people were at this conference? Um, they say between 2,000 and 2,200. In the past, it's been as big as over 4,000. So this is kind of post-COVID. They're kind of wading back into the water of having the event in person. And um, so anyway. Um, I would imagine that that these types of conferences are only going to grow, especially with some of the stuff that's going on um, in popular culture today and in the news. With um, right. that's a great 
That's a great segue. Um, and again, if you're watching via Spotify, you can see the video. If you are listening to a podcast, we're showing a slide. And there's two pictures on this slide. Uh, the first one I'm going to read, and these are absolute bombshells, Father Dave. And I I just, if if what we're hearing is true, then in my opinion, this is a game changer for the church, and it's a game changer in light of biblical prophecy. Yeah. The first slide is a picture of a former intelligence intelligence official, David Grush. Am I pronouncing that right? That's what I've heard, Grush, yeah. Who led analysis of unexplained anomalous phenomena, UAPs, that's what they're calling UFOs now in the Pentagon. And he did this within the Department of the Defense Agency. And he has alleged that the USA has 12 craft and bodies, alien bodies, non-human bodies, in their possession. And Grush is not only a former intelligence official, but he also is considered a whistleblower, and he is in the whistleblower program. Is that correct, Father Dave? Yeah. So what I understand about this guy, there's a couple of things. He um when you say that he was an intelligence guy, there's three different agencies that he's been associated with. One's called the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. One's called the National Reconnaissance Office. And maybe the most important is what's called the All Domain Anomaly Resolutions Office, or the acronym AARO, A-A-R-O. So, he, and it's interesting because Arrow has put out a statement on his whistleblowing that we might get to. So this guy is fully credentialed in this space and nobody really knows what his motivation is, um, you know, but obviously to enter in as a whistleblower, he wanted some assurances that he wasn't gonna be, you know, suicided like Jeffrey Epstein or something like that, but he basically is attesting that the United States Pentagon has had a program wherein they are seeking to recover crafts, um, like you said, 12, since going all the way back to 1920s, actually, is what I understand, the scope of the, the so it's not like they you know got 12 in the last year, this is over 100 years, but that they also have recovered non-human extraterrestrial bodies and that um yeah that they are working on doing some reverse engineering trying to take this um superior technology and reverse engineer it to give us whatever tactical military advantage and that that this has been going on for for many decades so i think what makes this guy so so unique is one there's just his credentials are unbelievable and secondly you know you go back to a whistleblower like bob lazar area 51 early 90s at that time he was laughed at he was you know basically mocked and you know ufos were still considered very fringe like the stuff that's gone on in the last five to seven years really since 2017 is a growing level of disclosure and videos coming out of, you know, military jets seeing these lights and, you know, stuff that's going back and now this. So it's a very different day than it was when Bob Lazar was trying to come out and say, hey, we've got stuff at Area 51. And, you know, people kind of mocked him and the media wasn't there, but it's a very different day today. Uh, when, than where we were at that time. When this report came out, I'm just going to be forthright with you and with those who are listening is that I was very skeptical. But then within a week or two after this report from David Grush, Michael Schellenberger, 
who I understand is a reputable journalist. He writes for Substack and he has a site called Public that he reported that multiple sources close to the matter have come forward to tell the public that Grush's core claims are indeed accurate. The individuals are all either high-ranking intelligence officials, former intelligence officials, or officials who could verify that the U.S. government, through its UAP, UFO efforts, have been doing this for three or more decades. And two of them have testified, including as recently as last year, to both the AARO, which you have mentioned, Father Dave, and to Congress. Again, I just can't say enough is that if this is accurate, in my opinion, and I think also in your Father Dave, that this is a game changer for the church. And well, I just here's the thing. Let, let, let's just say this. Here are the two government that sandwiched. The government came out a week before Grush made his, um, you know, started uh, his um, whistleblowing, you know, attestation started to come to light. Um, NASA put out a statement and, and I and I've got the quote here exact. It says, I want to emphasize this loud and proud that there is absolutely no convincing evidence for extraterrestrial life associated with UAPs. So here's the, you know, NASA government agency getting out in front of David Grush's, um, you know, comments. And this then was posted before Grush. Yeah, this was a week before yeah. Grush's, um, I think he was on news, what's it called, News Nation or whatever, where Grush's, um, um claims were first yes. you know basically came into the news cycle and then the pentagon a week after um a week after david grush um his claims came out they had an this is from the all domain anomaly resolutions office this is the same office that grush worked for they said to date um arrow has not discovered any verifiable information to substantiate claims that any programs regarding the possession of reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materials have existed in the past or exist currently. So the official government narrative is we're denying it. The great thing is today, I think, especially in the last five to seven years, I don't think anybody believes what the government tells us about anything. Uh, everything has to be put in quotations. So the fact that you have a whistleblower and that the government on both sides of this guy's statements is sandwiching it with another official government narrative only gives credence to David Grush's claims. So if this is true, we want to just briefly talk about what this phenomenon could be. Indeed, if the government has 12 craft, if the government has non-human bodies, it, of course, the government has verified that they have these UFO, UAPs on military sensing equipment, and we've seen those um, in video and in the media. But what are these things? As early as 2002, and actually much earlier than that, going back to the 70s, when um, this was widely discussed in the Jesus movement, but going up back to 2002, Hugh Ross, who's the uh, founder of a apologetics organization, Reason to Believe, made a presentation in 2002 at Azusa Pacific College. That's a Christian college in the Los Angeles area. And Ross argued for a satanic origin of the UFO phenomenon. According to his research that messages from those who presented themselves as aliens, UFOs, were identical to messages that mediums were receiving and mystics were receiving, denying the deity of Christ, claiming 
the universalism of religion espousing what we would see as new age beliefs. He also researched this phenomenon and said that the victims seem to suffer, when I mean victims, those who encountered so-called aliens and those who were abducted by these so-called aliens seem to suffer symptoms like those who were demonically oppressed. And finally, Hugh Ross and his colleagues, and again, Hugh Ross is an astrophysicist, said the, the odds of there being an encounter with an extraterrestrial life form are astronomically infinitesimal because the laws of known physics and science preclude faster than light travel. And so for a while, there have been those canaries, if you would, the proverbial canary in the coal mine in the church who have been arguing that these things are of satanic origin. Father Dave, would you like to chime in on this? Yeah, and, and you know, I read, I read Dr. Ross's book on this topic many, many years ago, which I think it really helped me get a bit of a grid to understand um, at least part of the picture. Because, of course, if we're talking about the unseen realm, and we're talking about what we would consider the angelic realm. And, you know, we have angels who are, and I know you have that slide up about um, the unseen realm, but if we go have- ahead take, Go ahead and take us through through the well, unseen realm and, and research, maybe just briefly mentioned uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, who has done more to popularize this. Um, understanding of the of the unseen the heavenly realms and take us through this chart and and information about what are the heavenlies paul mentions the third heaven what are the first two and how do things go on there well i i think if if we take if we take you know basically that god created you know whoops excuse me can you can we pause for just a second, Father John? Um, we'll have a break in the video. Okay. So, but we can we can restart and go to a part two. But I yeah, I'm sorry. I I my my um yeah the I have a dog right here that I did not know <laughs> in the room, and I have to remove her or she will go go ahead and I'll just right. keep it going while you're all right. Go ahead. I'll, I'll be back. Dog. So, folks, I'll take you through this slide. You'll be able to see it on Spotify, but if you're listening via another podcast platform it says geography of the heavenlies and the scriptures tell us that there is in fact an unseen realm and there goes one of my dogs uh going off in the uh in the background unfortunately we can't do this in a sound studio but the unseen realm is the physical world which we live in which us mortals breathe and exist in and then there is another realm that is called the heavenlies. And Paul talks about going up to the third heaven. The first realm of the heavenlies is the realm of angels involved with humanity. And scripture talks about these things being principalities, archangels and angels. The second heaven is angels that assist God in managing the universe, the dominions and powers and authorities and the third heaven is the throne of God, which Paul says that he went into the third heaven where there are seraphim, cherubim, and thrones, angelic thrones. And the, the spirits of the living, the spirits, not the bodies, but the spirits of the living until the time of the resurrection are somehow interacting among this. And through it and in it all is this uh, bottom realm that we see. It's the realm of Satan. And there are, it's a counterfeit realm, and there are nine orders of angels, so there are nine counter or counterfeit orders of angels, principalities, archangels, angels, dominions, powers, authorities, um, satanic cherubim, cherubim, cherubim thrones, and throughout it is the realm of the occult, so this is, this is the 
the universe, we'll use that word, maybe a better biblical word, is this is the cosmos that was created by God and resulted also forthwith as a result of the fall of well, sin entering in creation. Let me just um, um, solve my problem. Thank you. Um, let me just interject. So, you know, God, you know, before anything was ever created, you know, God existed. And of course, God is king. And so therefore, there is a kingdom. At some point, he created um, these sons of God, which is the Old Testament general term to talk about these heavenly beings. They pre-exist us. In the book of Job, you know, it says that these sons of God rejoiced at our creation. They shouted for joy. This is Job 38.7. Shouted for joy when we were created. And... And so there's a lot we do not know about the origin. There is obviously debates about when did Satan fall, um, what constituted his, his first sin. Um, I'm just talking about, you know, what I know from Christian tradition where and the timing of that fall. And what about the other sons of God that rebelled against Yahweh, against the creator, right? Um, so our, you know, we get glimpses, you know, in the biblical narrative of this unseen realm. And I think we have to be careful not to be too dogmatic when we make our charts, because there's clearly a hierarchical, um, the sons of God are, you know, like you've said, Bishop John, um, there is a, is a hierarchy from, from throne guardians like seraph, seraphim and cherubim, all the way down to the kinds of angels, as we call them, that show up in human form on the, on, in, you know, that interact, you know, you think about, um, you know, in Abraham's life, or you think about um, in Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, angels show up and they're eating and they're, you know, the men, the men in Sodom are, are wanting to, you know, find these angels attractive and wanted to, you know, have sexual relations with them. And so we, we have this hierarchy. And I would say when we talk about the UFO phenomenon or whatever, the unseen realm or these, we would have to talk about both the demonic, the fallen entities, but also I think that people have had experiences with what they thought were aliens that were actually um, encounters with angels and or heavenly beings that are still loyal to um, to Yahweh. And, and Hebrews, so, the author of Hebrews, um, yeah. says that some of you have entertained angels without knowing it. Unawares, exactly. So I think we have to be careful when we say, oh, the whole alien extraterrestrial phenomenon must all be demonic because obviously it's demonic if people are encountering encountering entities that are fallen and are now disloyal to to Yahweh but if people have had a real angelic experience or encounter they might not know what is the nature of it I, I'll tell you that that was part of my part of what I was doing at this UFO conference was to listen to people's encounters and to share my own experiences with angelic entities um, that I've had. I haven't had many, but I've had a couple. And um, one guy, um, not a believer, as far as I know, I think he was a theist, but he shared a story. Um, clearly, his encounter was with some type of guardian, angelic, um, you know, being that was sent he had prayed about before he had he was out in the wilderness and he was protected and i told him i said you know i told him i said i think that you have ex you were experiencing an angelic being that is that god sent i don't think he was having a demonic experience so i do and with, have within the theology within the theological tradition of the church there has been this theology that each one is assigned a guardian angel. Is exactly. Yeah. Well, let's move on to our next slide. 
And this is where we really want to take a little bit of a deeper dive. Understanding that Father Dave has, I think, wisely said that not necessarily all things associated with the UFO phenomenon may be satanic or demonic, that certain people may have had actual encounters with those things we call angels that are loyal to the Lord. But it seems like the bulk work, the majority of what is going on, seems to be satanically involved. And the question we have on this slide is, are UFOs part of an end times deception? In 2 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 9, the Apostle Paul says that the coming of the lawless one, that would be the Antichrist, is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. In Matthew 24, starting with verse 24, Jesus says that false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And finally, Revelation 19, 20, the revelator says the beast was captured and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. Those two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And so throughout our podcasts that we've done together, Father Dave, one of the themes that keeps coming back and you were eloquently highlighting is the theme of end times deception. Delve into that for us, how this UFO phenomenon may be part of a growing deception to bring us into the end times. Well, I think, you know, we have to look at, you know, the very first, um, as it were, um, invasion of these types of entities. And, you know, later on in Matthew 24, Jesus said, and I think you have this on another slide, but I think to, to, to frame this, you know, when we go back into the book of Genesis, Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the days of the Son of Man. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians, really don't know what could be meant by as in the days of Noah. But if you take the ancient Jewish understanding of the days of Noah and the Enochian tradition and the book of giants, the book of watchers, and the, the early church's position, they all universally held a view that these sons of God, these angelic beings that are non, they're not sons of Adam, they came to the planet and, and they came down. Um, and this narrative is referred to in Genesis 6, 1 through 4. And they came down and essentially were able to deceive mankind at that point in time and to teach mankind things that mankind didn't know. Um, advanced technology, weaponry, sorcery, astrology, all of these things, pharmakia, were all taught. And, and Jesus then says in Matthew 24 that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the days of the Son of Man. And what is it today that the average person that believes in UFOs is thinking when they think about the UFO phenomenas or phenomenon or extraterrestrials, they're actually looking to advanced civilizations or advanced life that is actually going to help us on this planet. Hollywood has created many movies that, you know, kind of, 
you know, go back to ET or contact with Jodie Foster, this narrative that there are these higher entities out there, some type of biological life forms that are more advanced than us, and they're going to teach us things. They're going to help solve our problems, right? And so I believe that's what really happened in the book of Genesis. And I think let's, that that let's is- Let's go ahead and read that verse. Yeah. Let's go ahead and read that verse. And I would also say, and you can, you can uh, uh, elaborate on this, that Hollywood has also interestingly presented the opposite side where aliens come and they terrorize, colonize, and destroy. So you have yep. the two tensions in Hollywood, that aliens, UFOs are our saviors, aliens, UFOs are um, our, our oppressors. And, and yep. you could delve into that maybe after I read from Genesis 6, starting with verse 1. When man began to multiply on the face of the land, the daughters were born, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, which most biblical commentators, I think, in, at least in recent times, and of course, and you already mentioned in the life of the early church, saw the sons of God as angels, saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took his, their wives any they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His day shall be 120 years. And my understanding, Father Dave, is that it, after this verse, it was 120 years until the day of Noah. Have you heard that as well? Research that? Yeah, I I, I think I have heard that, but um, not, I can't say that definitively. So, in so verse four, the Nephilim or Nephilim were on earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. So go ahead and maybe talk about uh, both sides of this equations. Um, well, I think here- Our saviors and our destroyers. Yeah. Here's where I really believe that many Christians are way behind the eight ball right now and probably going to be um, they're just not going to have an ability to explain um, what's happening because the popular view is, oh, aliens and these things are purely demonic, um, spiritual, ethereal beings that have no physicality. But Genesis 6, 1 through 4, and almost every single encounter we have with angels in the Bible tells another narrative. Paul even writes that we have a certain type of flesh and angels have another type of flesh. So angels have a corporeality. That's the big term. They have, they have a, a physicality. Um, obviously, in this case, they were able to have sexual relations with human women and beget offspring. So they lusted after human women. Um, they too, I believe, are created in the image of God, that when God was creating mankind and he said, let us make man in our image, that the divine council, the sons of God were there with Yahweh when he said that, and they were all agreeing, hey, let us make man in our image, and then Yahweh created. These angelic sons of God have no ability to create life like Yahweh does. Yahweh is the unique God, creator God, but these are the sons of God, or the in, in the Old Testament, they're called gods with a small g, right? And so um, this, this narrative shows that there is a physicality to these entities, and yes, they are far more powerful than we are, they are far more intelligent than we are. All of the things that these sons of God taught mankind were, were considered forbidden knowledge. They were not released or commissioned by Yahweh to do what they did. And so some type of negotiation took place because obviously in the ancient Near East, if they married the daughters of men. Well, you don't marry the daughters of men unless you negotiate with the fathers of those daughters. 
So one commentator says that these sons of God negotiated with these fathers, listen, you give us your daughters and we will teach you advanced warfare and technology and sorcery and astrology. And I mean, it, you know, it, the, the list goes on. Basically, um, there was some type of a um, you know, negotiation, some type of arrangement that was that was um, entered into when these sons of God were on the planet. And then their offspring were these Nephilim or in the Septuagint, the word is giants. And they were, um, they would have had the DNA of their fathers, right, as well as human DNA. And then the flood was sent to basically wipe this phenomenon out. I mean, there was a pollution in the human genome, right? And so I think that what we're looking at today in this day and age is we're looking at artificial intelligence. We're looking at the transhumanist movement. We're looking at technology that we have that where we can mess with human DNA. And I really believe that we are getting set up for a Genesis 6 2.0, a book of Enoch 2.0, that these sons of God are going to somehow return. We have, you know, it speaks about um, those that were bound in the abyss are released in Revelation chapter 9. I don't know all the details about is that what will happen or whatever, but clearly the stage is set for all of, you know, mankind has problems that we are saying we cannot solve. And I can just see a massive deception that is being lined up. Oh, we believe these are some type of evolved, highly evolved life forms that have better technology than we do, that have pro solutions. And so this will actually set up the world to worship the Antichrist. That's what I really believe is and and that's why it's so important that christians and christian thinkers and christian leaders that we are thinking biblically about this phenomenon Sorry, folks. and that we would also have an explanation for what happens when they produce a body yeah type, or or a craft because so, if it's all just purely me, spiritual let, yeah go let ahead let me stop let me stop you there because you're reading my mind what does it mean for the church if and when this recent news 12 craft plus non-human bodies are confirmed as being true what would that mean for the church well for those for those in the church that have been taught the so-called sethite view and even people that would you know would ascribe to kind of where dr hugh ross is saying this is all spiritual, paranormal um, um, phenomenon. There's no physicality to it. There's no, um, you know, yeah. And what we would say is real. They would say it's, you know, it's spiritual or it's ethereal or something like that. I believe that countless hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Christians will actually walk away from their faith because they'll say, my faith, what I believe doesn't have any explanatory power as to explain how there's life forms on another planet or from another realm or whatever. They, have, they do not have a worldview to explain this phenomenon. Especially, especially yeah. if the message is consistent with the research that Hugh Ross did in abduction cases that these these aliens, these extraterrestrials, so-called, are saying that Christ was an ascended master. He was one of them. They're part of who he is. And um, that there's a religious deception that comes with their message to society. Not only that, but um, some, have, some have speculated that what may be in unveiled is that we'll have the first visitors say we're the good aliens we're the good extraterrestrials and we're preparing you to um 
resist the bad ones that are coming. That's why we've come now. So talk maybe a little bit about this good alien, bad alien scenario that some have speculated that could come to pass. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, what does it say? It says that the enemy comes and he clothes himself or he presents himself as an angel of light. And that was my experience as I've listened to many of these people speak about their encounters. And many of them started with some, well, some of them, I should say, some of them, it was negative from the beginning, but some of them started with encounters that they felt were very positive and enlightening and and they welcomed it. But it became dark and oppressive and even, you know, some would even say demonic. They would even use that type of language to describe where it went, especially as, you know, there were encounters such as um, sexual um, encounters where, where they were, that some type of entity was forcing themselves onto the people, you know, rape kind of a context. So, um, but I think you're, I think you're right, Bishop John, is that, you know, the, even coming in, in a deceptive way and coming and saying, hey, we're here to help you. We have tools that you need. You know, we're friends. And and the very question would be, well, who do you say Jesus is? You know, what would you say about Jesus? And the fact that these very same entities that are claiming to be enlightened, um, um, whatever, higher masters or or ascended masters they actually are denying the Christian faith, which obviously any true Christian is going to be able to realize, okay, this is deception. This is not something that, you know, this isn't like, these aren't angels that are loyal to God. Any angel that's loyal to Yahweh is going to, you know, basically attest to the truth about who we know about who he is and what, what's been revealed in the scriptures. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think that wave one would be positive. And then, you know, you get people believing and all of a sudden you've got people that are set up for the great, um, you know, for the appearance of the false prophet and the man of sin, the Antichrist. And, you know, so I, I think what we have is we have a lot of the pieces falling into place for that end-time deception. Um, let's, let's go a little bit on the wild side. Yeah. Admitting that this is more speculative than maybe some would prefer, but we've mentioned in our discussion that these hybrids, if you will, these Nephilim, were hybrids of fallen angels and women. And we see them a few more times after the flood event in, yep. jo in, in Joshua hands, yep. and in Deuteronomy. And some have speculated that these hybrids could be among us today. In your speculative... <laughs> um, thinking is is there any is there any possibility of that well the very fact that it said that there were nephilim before the flood and after the flood um you know the you know it, it's it's clear that that uh, i mean even a even a scholar like dr michael heiser he would say he feels like by the time of king david um all the giant clans had been destroyed you know you take the Goliath incident, you know, and, and yet um, we, that's just making some assumptions because the very capabilities and that, um, that these entities had um, when they came down on Mount Hermon that in, you know, to the, to the daughters of men, um, they have those same, that, that, that those capabilities were never taken away from them. So, um, you know, Genesis, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 11 speaks about the, 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 the Tower of Babel, and it talks about a time when Yahweh divorced the nations of the earth, 
and he took for himself a people and he put, according to Deuteronomy 32, he put the nations under um, sons of God, under the, under the, um, the gods. And, and, and Psalm 82 speaks about the fall of these gods. And so there were falls, there were angelic falls. These sons of God, it wasn't just one time or another time. I believe that there has been multiple rebellions. And so why, you know, if, if as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the days of the Son of Man, since Jesus has not returned, um, why would that not be possible? I think that this, I think that this phenomenon is what explains the Bigfoot phenomenon. Um, I think that the Bigfoot phenomenon is not, uh, that it is paranormal, that it is um, something like a hybrid, um, something like, a, a you know, so I, I think that we have, we have the ability to explain all of this paranormal kind of supernatural phenomenon that's out there in the popular culture. The biblical narrative gives us the answer, gives us a way to, you know, understand these dynamics. Now, maybe we can't dot every I and cross every T, but I think that we have um, all of the different, um, you know, we have a worldview that explains all of this. I actually, uh, I had this idea to write a book years ago called A Theory of Everything, that, that, that we actually, the biblical narrative helps us to explain all of this strange phenomenon. Um, and even the, the, the agenda of the transhumanists. I mean, let's just think about this. Jesus became a, 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 you know, it said that the son of God, the unique son of God, became a son of man, right? To save the sons of Adam. Well, as long as we are the descendants of Adam, then Jesus's redemptive work is our inheritance, if we believe it. But Jesus did not come and he did not provide salvation for fallen sons of God. The book of Hebrews talks about that in the beginning of the book of Hebrews, that, that, that God did not provide salvation or redemption for fallen angels. Jesus came to help the descendants of Adam. So what, wouldn't the transhumanist agenda be that if they can pollute the human genome, and they can, transhumanism means to become something other than human. So you mix technology, you mix, you know, advanced, um, you know, science and all of the things. And, you know, one thing that we cannot, cannot, um, the occult practices of people in this realm is well known. So Luciferianism. So there is a spiritual side to people that are tampering in these areas. So and the creed, the creed says for this very reason that Christ came down from heaven for us men and our salvation. Exactly. It counter the heresy of origin who claimed that Christ died for the fallen angels and for Satan. Did not. Yes. And I mean, to be fair to Origen, I think he was speculating on the goodness of God and that God would even forgive whatever. That was kind of his speculation. Unfortunately, I think I, I disagree with that speculation, but I don't think he was trying to teach that that or or you know, I don't I don't think Origen was was trying to teach that dogmatically, more speculating, oh, God is so good. I would we, agree we with forget. you. And, and that so, is called universal reconciliation. Yeah. And the creed, the Nicene Creed. Um, distinctly came out against universal rec yeah. reconciliation because Christ died for us men or humanity. But here's here's where I think the end time deception could very well be. And again, where these are, I'm listening to Christian guys who are, and guys who are teachers and you know guys who have um, written books, produced even films about this whole topic, and they would they would say that really the agenda of the transhumanist movement and the whole extraterrestrial phenomenon today is to somehow try to pollute the sons of Adam so that we are no longer sons of Adam, so we are no longer going to be redeemable. That at what point does a son of Adam, because he's, you know, when those Nephilim 
were, were on the planet. They were a hybrid bastard race. That's what they're called. They were no longer sons of God. They were no longer sons of Adam. They were a bastardized, a bastardized race that couldn't go up and couldn't go down. And, you know, so um, wouldn't that be the transhumanist deception at the end of the age is if we can somehow deceive mankind into receiving us, into accepting us, into whatever, whatever technology, whatever advanced medicine that they would want to do. I mean, all of these alien, alien abduction um, encounter experiences that are of a demonic sort always have to do with experimentation, have to do with fertilization, sexual experimentation. It's all almost done in like a scientific experimental type of a way. This you is, this so, is where, this is where I would, I'll put you on the spot a little bit again, yeah. Father Dave, is that this is where I'd like to wrap it up because we've been going for almost an hour here. And I wonder if we could do one more of these dealing with alien abduction, because the statistics of how many people have claimed abduction experiences are almost unbelievable how many people have had these experiences. In fact, I have an acquaintance that that is, is a person of learning, a person very reputable, who has told me that this, this person was abducted by aliens and has scars on their body from the event. And could we do another podcast on this abduction phenomenon and then maybe wrap this whole thing up? Yeah, let me propose too, because I think with the abduction phenomenon, we have to also mix into that the issue of, okay, if people can literally be abducted, because again, some people say, oh, these are just in people's minds, their thoughts, their, um, you know, they're being deceived and, and, and ideas are being implanted into their mind. They think they were taken somewhere. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that if these entities have physicality, and that, then that means that they could literally take people somewhere else right and so i think this we have to talk about the alien abduction phenomenon as well as what would these crafts be these vehicles that the u.s government is it's being claimed that they actually have vehicles non-human what are they called um advanced aerospace vehicles is the terminology that some are using that are of a non-human origin. So I think that we come back to the physicality because you know you're talking about people that have scars. Well, uh, you know, so I think that this is um, an important topic to explore because this is where I think many Christians are not ready for to handle um, the yeah. evidence that might be presented. And, and so I, many, so many yeah. are reporting this and they're, and they're, they're just being, they don't know where to go. They don't know where to go to help. And I, I have a suspicion, I think in the spirit that there is going to be some people who have had these abduction experiences and they're going to be believers in the Lord Jesus. And they're going to say, I can't say this to anybody in my church. No one has believed me. So in our next podcast, we'll explore um, where those of you who have these experience where you can go for help, what you can do. Um, now we're going to wrap this up and I'm so appreciative of your time, Father Dave. And this is such a weird topic. No doubt it's weird. And this is going to sound crazy to people. I just want to preface before I have you bless us and pray for us, Father Dave. I always want to preface this is Father Dave and the things he is saying is holy, he's holy orthodox. He believes that Yahweh God uh, is the Alpha Omega uncreated so we're not saying there's, there's when he says the divine council, that God's just a big God among gods. No, he is the God of gods. He is the uncreated one, uh, the, the omnipotent, omniscient. He's fully orthodox. And if you want to find out more of these ideas, like the divine council, the Nephilim, and um, the heavenly realms, there's a book 
that's been published for popular consumption uh, by a Christian theologian, an evangelical Christian theologian named Dr. Michael Heiser. And I believe his book is called The Unseen Realm. Is that correct? Yeah, and he has another book that's even more simplistic than that one called Supernatural. And what he does is he breaks all of this down, these categories. And, and yes, you know, Bishop John, it is clear that when we, you know, when Jesus said, ye are all gods, you know, that Jesus said that, um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, all of our evangelical commentators, theologians are backtracking. Well, what he really meant was, well, you know, this category of gods, Elohim and sons of God are clear categories, biblical categories. And I think Dr. Heiser's work is probably the most helpful at articulating what did the biblical writers mean when they used these terms and how is Yahweh, how is God, the creator God, the triune God, how is he unique? He alone is the uncreated, eternal um, creator God. None of these other, everything else in the universe or whatever, in, in all the realms, however you want to describe reality, are created. Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, is the only God who is uncreated creator God. And so when we speak about gods and sons of gods and, and all of that stuff, we are talking about created beings that were created by God, who will be judged by God and can be loyal to or disloyal to God. They have free will. So I think that is important because a lot of people stumble over this term Elohim, which means gods, and it can be used to speak of God the creator when it when it's grammatically being used in a singular sense or it can be talked about it like in psalm 82 where it says the gods like men you gods will die you know like men it's clearly differentiating the gods the elohim of the old testament are not sons of adam they are different and i have to say if it wasn't for dr heiser um, I would have never understood so many passages, not only in the Gospels, but throughout the Old Testament in particular. Um, and I also believe that understanding these things is very important for where we're going, so as to not be deceived at the end of the age when, you know, when... And again, and again yeah. this, is, this is for Dr. Michael Heiser, an evangelical seminary seminary professor um who's gone to be with the lord this gone to be with the lord worked yep. for worked recognized evangelical scholar not out of the mainstream and so we will pick this up in our next podcast and thank you for agreeing to do one more podcast father dave we can do five <laughs> more i i think we're gonna have a lot more to talk about in yes. the in the months well we'll see especially if that is confirmed and the government uh owns up to the fact that it has bodies and ships if in fact it does it'll be a game changer you've been listening to the hope on the way podcast with father john Ahmet with our special guest father david hess we're priest with the communion of evangelical episcopal churches and you can listen to more of father dave on the paul the the joel two po generation podcast the joel two pod generation podcast and tune in for our next podcast. And in the meantime, let's leave with a blessing, Father Dave. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we want to be those, if Jesus spoke about not being deceived, let no one deceive you. The apostles, with one accord, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. I pray, God, that you would help us in this hour as followers of Jesus to be discerning, and to walk in truth and to rightly discern and understand all that that of these phenomena that we hear about that what whatever these things are and i god i know that there are aspects and elements that we might not fully understand yet there might be um you know but i thank you god that the biblical narrative going back to the the genesis 1 verse 1 all the way through the end of the book of Revelation, that we have a narrative that 
tells us not only what happened, not only what is happening now, but what will be happening as we move forward. So may we rightly divide and understand your word. May we be alert, awake watchmen. May we be the sons and daughters of Issachar in this hour. And I bless all of us and all those listening in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless, Father Dave. See you in the next podcast. All right. All right.